Hello and welcome to Season 2 of the Chai Break Podcast. This is your host, Shweta Ravi Shankar. And Ramachari from New York City. This season, we're excited to interview a roster of amazing South Asian women who have broken barriers, questioned norms, and continue to make a mark for themselves. They come to you from all over the globe, from Bangalore to New York, Melbourne and everywhere in between. We hope you enjoy these conversations as much as we do and chime in along the way. So let's get started. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Chai Break Podcast. Summer has officially arrived in New York City and temperatures are soaring in the high 80s. Right? Hi, Rama. Hi. In the spirit of the season? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> in fact, I think our pool is really nice outside. Today is really hot. I think it's going to be in the upper 90s mm-hmm. from what I see. And probably will be jumping in the pool. Uh, so with probably a nice beverage in the yes. spirit of the season. So <laughs> what's your choice of beverage in the summertime, Shweta? Oh, I love a good Aperol Spritz. If I'm going oh. that route, or I like my oat milk matcha latte, which I was just telling my husband how ridiculously expensive it is. It's like $7. And I'm like, I think we just need to like start making our own. <laughs> just do it at home. Look at this. I have my foam former. What do you call that former for the mm-hmm. milk? The frother. Yeah. The frother. <laughs> correct. <laughs> anyway, let's um, introduce our today's guest. Today's guest is uh, Shilpa Bean who likes to chill with a strong cappuccino or rosé in hand when she's not busy running Glorio, a media startup dedicated to celebrating the achievements and amplifying the stories of Black, Indigenous and people of colour by POC women. Through Glorio, Shilpa's aim is to ensure current and future generations of BIPOC women feel represented, empowered and inspired to blaze their own trail. Sherpa has a background in public policy with a focus on social policy reforms and people from vulnerable and marginalized communities. She also has experience as a lifestyle and beauty journalist. So welcome to Chai Break, Sherpa. Hi, thank you so much for having me today, ladies. So nice to be here. So nice to meet you. Oh my God, that accent. We were just talking about it just before we started recording. <laughs> I think I can literally hear you keep you talking and just hear it. So, so beautiful, the accent. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so let's start, Shilpa, by knowing a little bit about you, your growing up years and how it was to, you know, grow up as a brown person in the Kiwi land. I mean, we're talking about New Zealand. Yeah, of course. Um Yes, so I am of Indian descent and grew up in New Zealand, which you can probably tell from my accent. <laughs> um, and it was it was interesting growing up in New Zealand. Um, it's it's a small country, and we're we're at the bottom of the world. So you're you're quite, I guess, isolated from the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for me, growing up in New Zealand, and as I've more recently learned, for a lot of other um, people of colour, we we didn't really feel represented in mainstream media, didn't really see ourselves on TV, in the magazines. You know, mm-hmm. we weren't really making headlines in the news for doing really awesome things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess it was, yeah, I just didn't didn't really feel represented, I guess would be the way to sum it up. Um, obviously I had all my family around me um, and you know we all grew up uh, particularly my siblings and my cousins grew up I guess uh, balancing 
a dual identity of being Indian and being immersed in our heritage and our culture and our language and all the incredible food Mm -hmm. uh, while also juggling growing up in a society Mm -hmm. which um, at least in our experience was predominantly white and where people weren't fully aware of of what it's like to to grow up with a different culture Mm -hmm. yeah if you think about it I think compared to like for example the U.S. there's so much there has been, there was in the late sixties, I think, a huge uh, immigration or migration of uh, Indians from India. And yeah. in the UK, during the partition, a lot of Indians moved to the UK. So there are some of those the Western nations um, that have a huge number, a lot number of Indian immigrants and brown, let's say, brown immigrants, right? Yeah. But I think New Zealand is probably one of those countries where the number of people, India, I mean, Indians are there, but probably they're not as many. Is that true? Hmm. Or is there a good majority of, uh, you know, brown people in the U- New Zealand as well? So but the reason I'm asking is it's so well known in other countries, um, even in uh, Germany, even in other countries, where, but probably because, like you said, there's good representation. But somehow we don't hear stories about, you know, Indian people, you know, doing things or whatever, you know, in, you know, stories about brown people in countries like New Zealand. Is that because there's not as many? Is that they're quite minority? Or is that there are other reasons like you were kind of mentioning? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I don't know the stats off the top of my head, but I would say that the Indian population is not as large um, compared mm-hmm. to other Western nations like the US and the UK. Mm-hmm. When you talk about brown people in New Zealand, that's it's Indian people, a lot of Indians who migrated across from Fiji mm-hmm. as well. Um, so my my parents um, migrated across from Fiji as well. Uh, you've got people from other Pacific Island nations and then the indigenous Maori population as well. And so for me growing up when I thought of brown people, it was it was this entire group of of different ethnic backgrounds um there's also a lot of Chinese people as well I've had a few Chinese friends growing up so nice yeah I think the population of people of color is probably or at least definitely was like relatively small compared to Mm -hmm. other countries Mm -hmm. and that probably sorry that probably now it makes sense because you have this you're representing a whole diverse population of women yeah you know when we say brown it's not just limited to indians and now it makes sense because you grew up around a whole diverse group of you know women of color yeah is that correct to you yeah that's right uh so for example the primary school that i went to there was a small group of um of kids in my year group where we were from different cultures different ethnic backgrounds and i think we all really connected over that shared experience Mm -hmm. of looking around the playground and being like, no one else here really looks like me or no one else really understands having to uh, celebrate a a festival like Diwali Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because they don't know what that is because it's just not something that they've grown up with. Right. So, yeah, I guess definitely my experience growing up was... um, Looking uh, for that representation almost, right? Everywhere. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. definitely in some ways it was like, where where am I? Like, where can I see myself? You know, uh, if I see someone who's a brown person on TV, does that mean that I can do that too one day mm-hmm. if I want to do? So. Yeah. 
I think yeah. that's the common thread, you know, through all the various things that you've done, Shilpa, is seeking that minority representation and making it more seen, you know. Um, and it seems like your experiences that you had growing up is uh, what you kind of work towards, right? Yeah. So tell us about Glorial, because uh, for those of you who don't know, Glorial is this, uh, you know, Shilpa puts out this amazing action-packed, so much information and amazing, inspiring stories each week through her newsletter. Mm -hmm. um, so just tell us everything about how you, you know, from social reform and public policy and all of that stuff to Glorial. Like, how did that journey happen? Yeah, of course. I feel like, um, Rema, you just summed it up really nicely at the start. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. So Glorial is, um, it's a media startup that's committed to amplifying news and stories of BIPOC women, so Black women, Indigenous women, and women of colour. And the way it all came about is I, so my public policy background means I was constantly doing a lot of research, a lot of work, um, particularly looking at people from minority communities and how to improve their lives for the better through various policy reforms. And then with my writing projects, um, I was working on an article and I reached out to a few different women to interview them about some work that they were doing um, in the beauty space. And this wasn't intentional at the time, but as I started interviewing these women, I realized, oh, every single woman that I've reached out to and I'm speaking to is a woman of color. And in each interview I was doing, we all bonded over this point of, I never really felt represented or seen or heard growing up. And what I found the most interesting was each of us had a very different lived experience in terms of our ethnic background and also the country that we grew up in. So one of the women had grown up in Australia. Another one had grown up in the UK and was now living in Australia. Another one was from the States. And so I sort of had this moment of, oh, I always thought that maybe it was just me and, and some of the people that I grew up with in New Zealand, and it was just because we grew up in a slightly smaller country, but maybe that's not the case. So I started doing some more digging around, well, what is there for BIPOC women out there that specifically looks to amplify our stories and really uh, encourage us to celebrate our wins? And I couldn't really find anything. Mm -hmm. And so that's really how Gloria came about. So for me, I'm, I'm a real news junkie. I love to read the news. And the other thing I would find is I'd sometimes be talking to friends and be like, oh, uh, have you heard of this business? It's women of color owned. It's so amazing. It's just got this round of funding. And they'd be like, oh, I have, but I had no idea that it was owned by women of color. Like how cool. So I thought, okay, how do I bring all of this together mm -hmm. in a way that I guess, yeah, creates this space for BIPOC women and for allies to to come together and, and learn and, and to be inspired um, to blaze their own trail. So the Glorial newsletter was born out of that. So the newsletter consists of a weekly news roundup of stories of BIPOC women who are really breaking down barriers and blazing their own trail. Sometimes those stories will, you know, focus on a lot of the struggles that they had. And I think that's really important as well to... Mm -hmm to see the, the barriers and the struggles that people have faced and what they went through or what they did to then achieve the outcome that we're talking about. Um, so there's the news roundup and then each week there's an interview with a trailblazing, trailblazing BIPOC woman, founder or community leader. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so these women are much like yourselves. They're doing really cool things, um, making change, whether that's, you know, within their small, like in a circle or on a, on a much larger scale. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's so cool and interesting to, to learn what so many incredible women are doing. It's, it's actually mind blowing. Like it's, it's amazing to see how many BIFOC women are putting themselves out there and, and just doing incredible things to make the world a better place for everyone, but particularly for BIFOC women. That is amazing. Cause you know, it's, we're not thanks to social media. I mean, there, there are so many things that we are, you know, we don't like about the social media and sometimes how things can be misrepresented. But I love social media for this. I think it has increased a sense of awareness of what's going on around. People like you are able to put out posts and feeds and like, you know, um, able to really uh, communicate with the larger rest of the world about stories of these women. We wouldn't have heard about this like 20, 25 years ago if social media didn't exist because, you know, how much can a media just do, right? So this is amazing what you're doing. As you build this glow wheel and as you are building this this beautiful cause, what are some of the challenges you have you are facing? Is there like you know what are what are your ups and downs as you're going through this process? Good question. <laughs> Probably one of the biggest challenges, and I would imagine that anyone who's starting something goes through this is overcoming those feelings of imposter syndrome right? Because big one, big one. I think this goes for every, across every field, every act, right? When yeah, do, exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's normal really to, to start doubting yourself or to be like, oh, why me? Or like, should I be the person doing this? Like I'm no one really like in the grand scheme of things. Right. So that's been a big one, especially at the start was just really overcoming those, that inner voice that tells you like, no, no, you shouldn't be doing this because you're no one special. And this is a and, this is a problem with women. It's it's imposter syndrome is more of a, you know, it doesn't matter which color or ethnicity, it's a problem hmm. with women in general. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um funnily enough, I would always any any person that I was managing in a team, particularly the women, I would always be the person that would be like, don't doubt yourself, like you're here for a reason you've got all this incredible experience, like you've got this, just back yourself to win. But then when it comes to myself, I wasn't taking my own advice. So I did have to, you know, remind myself of the advice that I'm very happily giving other people. Um, (laughs) And that, you know, there's a range of emotions that comes with just putting yourself out there and and starting something and trying to make some change. Mm -hmm. One part of that is it is really exciting because it's cool to just start something and and to meet people and to try and make some change. But the other part is it is scary because no one really knows what they're doing when they start out with something. And yeah. so, you know, there's a lot of various hurdles that you have to overcome, things you have to learn. You you learn what you're good at and maybe what you're not so good at. Mm-hmm. So that was definitely a big challenge. And I think that would just be an ongoing thing forever, like just having to work through that from time to time, but always reminding myself to you know, back myself to work on this thing that I'm so passionate about. And then that goes to what's been, I guess, the ups, the highlights is for me, it's 
just been so incredible to be able to meet so many different women who mm-hmm. honestly like they're, they're just doing game-changing things and I've I'm not sure I would have had the opportunity to meet them otherwise. And then I'm just so grateful that they trust me enough to share their story and and are happy to to allow me to then use my platform to share their story with the Glorial community. So yeah, like I absolutely love it. That's that's really interesting because I think uh, even personally for us, like, you know, when we started this, like small things right like mm-hmm. you you know you have that weird thing where you don't want to hear your own voice you know it weirds you out like I mean it's it's silly right and from that like as silly as that to even just like because you have to like start telling people you know you want to spread the word even doing that because you're you're marketing yourself you do that all the time when you have to get a job etc but mm-hmm. like doing this like when this is a personal passion project mm-hmm. like you know whether it's saying I don't know, you're, you're a yoga instructor now or whatever that is, right? Mm-hmm. When personally marketing what you, uh, you know, are doing, what you're passionate about, there's always that little hesitation that you don't want to come off as like, you know, you're just like bragging about yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think like somewhere, it, you know, being a woman, being a woman of color, I think those are some of the, you know, hesitations that were kind of ingrained in us at some level you know, and to just break those barriers and kind of like own what you're doing and believe what you're doing, you know, um, and actually just like talk about it and uh, just be okay when you receive appreciation in itself is sometimes feels like a challenge. Oh, yeah. And I, and I think very well said, Shweta. And I think identifying imposter syndrome, like when you said that was your bigger challenge, my head nodded because that's my bigger challenge. That's, my, that's a bigger challenge for most women here. I think that's probably why even in, you know, forget the passion projects also, even in the real life job scenarios, I think women are not, you know, able to take those steps to really reach the top because many times we pull ourselves back saying, am I really right for this role? Am I going to give up on some of the things because if I had to like, you know, go for this. So we really question our motives and our intentions when we could just, you know, if our goal was to reach the top, we could just like go reach the top. But as we pull ourselves back because we're questioning all that, am I even, even being the right fit? And I think we all are guilty about that. And that's probably why I think we're not, you know, we're, we're now seeing a little more and more women CEOs in top companies, corporations, women taking more leadership roles. But this is now because this con- we're, we're just we're normalizing these kind of conversations, basically. When I mean, you say imposter syndrome, I'm like, yeah, I, I think I have that too. Versus before, it used to be like, oh, I don't know. I mean, am I, am I talking about a certain uh, psychological issue when you talk about imposter syndrome? It used to be more taboos talking about these kind of conversations. So I guess it's probably like through conversations like this, we're normalizing, yeah, imposter syndrome exists. And, you know, just be aware. Don't let that, you know, pull you down. Yeah. yeah. Ironically, one of the main points for me in creating Glorial was to encourage BIFOC women to celebrate their wins. Yeah. 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 Um, Awesome. Yeah. One of the things that I do sometimes do if I'm having a moment of doubt of myself or feeling a bit down on myself is I'll just go back and read an interview or two Mm -hmm. from one of the women I've interviewed because it's, yeah, we've had conversations along these lines where they've faced the same or similar challenges and to hear them talk about how they overcame them to to do the amazing thing that they're doing makes me go, okay, I can do this too. So yeah. 
Yeah. Talking about it is so helpful. And and you know, the nice thing is I think Shweta and I, when we wanted to start the season too, you know, there are so many celebrities out there, people who have done like, you know, you know, people's names are like, in uh, people know about them. And they have, you know, it's easy to go and, and talk to them and try to get an interview with them. But really, most of the people are like you and I, right? And Shweta, because we are, you know, trying to, um, you know, create some um, changes, just starting with household conversations, trying to do smaller things that could push the needle, trying to make little changes in the community, even though probably we're not, you know, our faces are not in the papers or we're not somebody who everybody knows. And I think that is, it's it's great because what you're doing is something very similar because you are trying to introduce these women that nobody really has a clue about and uh, saying like, hey, you know, like there are these women heroes. Literally, there's so many of them. We just don't hear about them. And I think that's beautiful what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, Shoka. Thank you. And same for both of you as well. I mean, you know, there's so many synergies between what I'm doing with Gloria and what you're doing with Chai Break podcast. And I'm so grateful to you both for A, starting your podcast because it is amazing. I love it. And B for inviting me along. <laughs> it's always good to hear. <laughs> we call we call our our the women we interview in our in our podcast as the unsung heroes. Oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we want to introduce them to the world. So yeah, thank you. Shilpa, I mean, this is like a, an open conversation, you know, I think this just came in, into my mind as, you know, given the current events of Roe v. Wade. And I was just reading through all the posts and the protests. And I and I just happened to read what uh, Prime Minister of New Zealand, Jacinda Ardern, had to say, uh, because you, as you know, recently, New Zealand decriminalized abortion. Yeah. And she said some. it was something so simple yet profound. She just said, one person's personal belief should never rob another from making their own decisions. And, you know, I know like you live in another part of the world, but it's almost like while this law affects women in the United States, this law also is kind of a defeat for women everywhere, isn't it? Oh, it absolutely is. I mean, you're probably seeing it all over social media. Women and allies all over the world are upset and, and furious and just we can't believe that this is happening um, because, yeah, as you say, the overturning of Roe v. Wade in America directly impacts, in fact, I think it's already directly impacting millions of women in the States. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But America also has, I think, just this incredible influence over social and cultural issues all over the world. Mm-hmm. And probably one of the biggest things with Roe versus Wade is it's showing that just because a law has been passed, it doesn't mean it's safe and it doesn't mean that our rights are safe. So it has sparked this this conversation all over the world of, you know, A, we're in disbelief that this is happening in America and mm-hmm. these poor women who are being impacted by the overturning, mm-hmm. but also yeah, what what does this mean for the rights of women in the country that I live in? Does this mean that something could change overnight? You know, mm-hmm, it's a pretty mm-hmm. scary place to be. So I think Jacinda Ardern's post was very comforting. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think for people in, in New Zealand who, 
you know, a, a pro-choice, it's just like, okay, we should be fine at least for now. Uh, but certainly, you know, I was living in Australia for a long time mm-hmm. and I'm currently in the UK and some of the discourse that I've seen in both those countries is there have been some prominent political figures who have openly come out and said, oh, the overturning of Roe versus Wade, what a great day for America. And it's like, oh, gosh. like And this is in Australia? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Um, oh, I think the former Minister for Women's Affairs, there was a, recently an election in Australia, um, but the previous minister attended an anti-abortion rally around the time when that draft decision was oh, leaked. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, and so people were like, okay, you know, we might feel relatively safe in Australia, but just be aware that... It could change any time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, mm-hmm. just make sure you're aware of who it is that you're voting for. Like, check, I guess, every aspect of of that member of parliament that you're wanting to vote for. Mm-hmm. Do they stand for the the things that you believe in when it comes to social issues and and human rights? So, mm-hmm. yeah, but it's, yeah, it's a... A pretty crazy time, I think, that yeah. this is all happening. I can't imagine how you ladies feel actually being in the States. I mean, it's it's really ironic, right? Because we grew up in India and uh, a friend of mine just posted something this morning and I was just looking at it and it was an ad of um, in the Indian newspaper in the 1970s. It's a pregnant woman and it says abortion is legal and this is how, you know, you can, they're, they're like, this is the place to go and this is how you can get it. And it's safe and it's legal. And I was like, wow, like what times are we going back to? Yeah. You know, and that's what right before this, uh, you know, podcast recording, me and Rama are like, do we just move? Like, what do we do? Like, you know, it's kind of like shook everyone, you know, from like the basic value system that we all hold that, Mm -hmm. you know, we control, women control our own bodies. We want to control our own bodies. We don't want anyone else to. And I know like, you know, in the in the groups I'm part of on WhatsApp, like this whole these bunch of women, all dancers, they were just like, oh, my God, did you just see what happened? Like, you know, it's kind of at the core shaken everyone. Absolutely. Mm. My mom works in family planning in uh, what well, used to work in, in the Department of Family Planning in, in India, in, in her uh, medical center. And, um, you know, the accessibility to actually abort. Um, you know, and, and a pregnancy that was not, you know, in the sense like teenage pregnancies or, you know, for some cause that the woman cannot really have a child. It was turned out to be a blessing for many of these women yeah. because, you know, it, it happened for so many reasons that they could not really discuss in, de- in depth. And the accessibility to actually having a choice provided that you don't have to carry a baggage for the rest of your life just because some event mm-hmm. happened. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was such a huge relief because these were women who were about to even take their own lives because now they were so confused as to how they're going to, you know, live in a society with this trauma that has happened to them. And we're talking about rapes, you know, having uh, unconsensual, was that such like? Yeah. This, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, sex. And uh, product by product of that was having these kids and then carrying them along. It's not something they were prepared for. And these were women who who really are from, you know, all parts of society. And having the access, like Shweta said, in India, there's this whole movement that happened towards 
family planning and, you know, even in married relationships or even in committed relationships, some of these women did not want to have, you know, more than two kids or three kids. And so having this accessibility to, to make a choice was so much, so important for them. And I've heard so many stories from my mom when she was working there and how having this very accessibility to really deciding whether they wanted to have a child or not was a huge blessing for most of these women. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And some of them were ready to take their lives because they were worried that this may not be provided to them. Yeah, because so, it's a lifelong project, yeah, right? Yeah, I yeah. mean, having a child, it, you know, getting pregnant and giving birth is not just about those nine months. It's about providing. Right. And in a country, as you know, we all know, in a country like the United States, where there's no universal health care, there's no subsidized child care, you know, and there's so much gun violence happening, there are bigger issues to address how any child, you know, is taken care of after it's born. So if you're not equipped with all of those things, it's almost like, who is anyone to control our bodies? Exactly. I think that is a very good point. That literally, you don't, if they're providing a structure without addressing what will happen after these, you know, kids are out in this world, what will happen to them? How is the society providing a certain level of, um, you know, support? Hmm. You know, we, we don't have any answers to that, but we just have one policy that's just been taken off now. You know, decrement, you know, the abortions are illegal. So it doesn't really make sense, right? We have so many burning issues right now. We're talking about gun violence, which is like kind of the top of the charts right now, but we are really going after something that was helpful to support many of the women who unwantedly had, you know, had kids and they had some kind of support system that's been taken off. Hmm. It's a bit sad, yeah. Oh, it's it's horrible, you know. Like it, as you said, Twitter, it's a lifelong commitment mm -hmm. raising a child, and even once your child is an adult. Like I, I'm not a parent, but I would imagine that even once your child is an adult, you're constantly thinking about them or, mm -hmm. or worried about mm -hmm. them because it's your child. So it's it's a huge commitment. I did see, I saw a great post this morning that basically said banning abortions won't actually get rid of them; it just gets rid of safe abortions yes and that the actual way to support women and support society is through some of the very measures that you both mentioned things like proper sex education access to contraception social support services so things like universal childcare, proper parental pay parental leave mm -hmm. all mm -hmm. of the things that i would say help a society to to function and to thrive and yeah it's it's a very dark day or a very dark time yeah. in America's history. Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. and I think it's kind of empowering to have these conversations and, uh, you know, keep that fire burning within us, you know, so that it's not just another news headline that comes up and dies down. Yeah. Um, so thank you so much, even though, you know, I, I feel like you're in another part of the world. It kind of feels good when, you know, women from across the globe and, you know, everywhere kind of, share the same sentiments yeah yeah and it, in that way it's kind of empowering oh 100 you know? percent. it's just every person should have the right to make the personal choices that absolutely. their body and their life mm -hmm. it's really not a government's business yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely
Shilpa, I'm gonna I'm gonna digress a little bit and yeah. get back to Glowy because yeah. it's so fa- fascinating what you're doing. Can you share some of those bigger aha moments? Like you know, when you've interviewed all these women and you've heard their stories, what are the a couple? You know, what are the two or three um, the stories that stands out? I mean, it's just some examples. What was your aha moment with Glowy? So some of the stories that have like really, I, I guess made an impact on me correct yep um I feel like we could be here all day because I've, <laughs> I know <laughs> that I've interviewed just has such an incredible story but some of the I guess really emotional ones um one of them is a woman named Sasha Taylor she's an Indian woman she's over in the US mm-hmm. and she's a anti-child marriage advocate and her story is it's an incredible story of resilience. So Sasha is a child marriage survivor. So she was forced into a, a marriage uh, when she was a teenager, when she was 14 or 15 years old. Wow. She was living in the States as well. Wow. And the reason she was forced into it was so that the man that she married and his family could get green cards. So she was forced into the situation her teenage years were pretty horrific because of that. Um, she managed to get herself, I'm really summarizing her story, but she yeah. managed to get herself out of that situation through just sheer resilience really more than anything. And a few years later is now channeling that experience and the trauma that she experienced and just all of the emotions that came with it into her new media company called Reality of a Desi Girl. And through that, she is planning on creating some documentaries about child marriage and the fact that it's so prevalent in Western countries like oh, the wow. United States. I think often when people hear child marriage, we think of developing nations. Yeah, like some rural part of some country where, you know, there's not enough education. This yeah. is like this is pretty shocking. This is shocking. Yeah. yeah. It's a huge issue. Like what Sasha has uncovered is it's a massive issue throughout the states. And depending on the legislation in the state that you're living in, your parents could easily force you into a marriage at the age of like 15 or 16. So that one really pulled at my heartstrings. I was just crying the whole time oh, wow. I'm interviewing Sasha because it was just such an emotional roller coaster. But to see what she's channeling her time and energy into now is just beyond inspiring. Like it's, she's doing incredible work. Another one of my favorites is uh, I interviewed Sim from Girls That Invest. So I don't know if you've heard of the Girls That Invest podcast. No. But Sim and Sonia are two Kiwi Indian girls Mm -hmm. who started their podcast to just break down a lot of the jargon that came with with the finance world. And they're now one of the top investing podcasts in the world. Oh, nice. And so they, uh, they'll just sit down and talk about what it means to invest. What is it? How do you open up a loan in a bank? Uh, what are some of the money experiences that they've had? So they're really breaking down, I guess, a lot of the stigma for women and for women of color around talking openly about money and finances. And one of their key um, I guess components of why they're they're doing the podcast is to make sure that women are supported to be financially free mm-hmm. because they don't want to see women forced into situations where 
they don't have access to their finances. Mm-hmm. But that access to your finances, you're kind of limited in how you can live your life and in having freedom. So they're both doing really awesome work. Um, and then one more. Um, These are great stories, by the way. Yeah. Shilpa. Yeah. Incredible stories, right? right. And this is cool to to see how many cool women are just doing really awesome things to to empower and uplift other women so one of my other favorites was I interviewed Fallon Gregory so Fallon is an indigenous Australian woman and she's a media personality and an influencer and she's now using her platform to advocate for indigenous Australians to have proper access to to media and um you know careers like modeling and and being an influencer because we're still not quite there yet with that level of representation in Australia Mm -hmm. so Fallon like I was just so impressed she's she's a a mum of two she's got such a busy schedule all the time and is still finding the time to work towards making sure that Indigenous Australians are really well supported to pursue a career, a more creative career, if they wish to. So, those are some some of my favourites. But like I said, I think every single woman that I've interviewed <laughs> has left a mark on me for you know one reason or another. Um, I know that they've definitely left a mark on uh, newsletter subscribers. You know, people will often write back just being like, "Wow, like I can't believe I didn't know about this person," or "My gosh, like this person's story is just so incredible." So, yeah, my hope is that even if just one person reads one of these interviews and goes, oh, my gosh, I didn't know that I could do this thing too, mm-hmm. I'm like, mm-hmm. my job is done. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that's, no, that's exactly that's what we feel constantly, you know. Um, yeah. These stories of all the different women we're interviewing and all the even the topics that we talked about in season one, if it can spur you know, a conversation, you know, if, if it can change someone's thought process, if it can inspire mm-hmm. someone, even one person and, you know, our job like is done. Yeah, yeah. no, totally. Um, before we wrap up, do you want to just tell our listeners where you can find and sign up for your newsletter? Yes, of course. So we are at gloreal.co. So it's very easy to remember, I hope. Um, Gloreal is spelled G-L-O-W-R-E-E-L. And once you get to the landing page, you pop in your email address and you're good to go. You will hear from me either that week or the week after, depending on what day of the week you sign up. And the newsletter itself is designed to be really easy to digest. I would say you can read through it in five minutes. So it's not going to take a whole lot of time out of your day. But I hope that in that five minutes, you get something out of it and leave feeling really inspired and empowered to take on the world. (laughs) Um, We are also on social media um probably post mainly on instagram which is at gloreal underscore co Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, but we're also on facebook linkedin and twitter under gloreal that's wonderful i love love what you're doing shopa keep up that good work are you giving a voice to celebrating women these BIPOC women across the globe whose voices need to be heard and deserve a huge celebration so i think you are a trailblazer yourself and uh, like Shweta and I uh, were talking the other day, we interviewed many of these season two, we interviewed most of these women in the mornings. And just speaking to you today is another similar experience yeah. and feeling mm-hmm. of leaving that, you know, whole inspiring feeling and a great start to the morning for us. 
Totally. So kudos to you. Thank and you. Keep up that good work. It was lovely, lovely meeting you and talking to you. And can't wait to look for, can't wait for your stories every week. And can't wait to read them. <laughs> thank you so much. And likewise to both of you. Um, thank you so much for all the work that you're doing and the incredible stories that you're sharing and just for the fun banter that you both have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Thank you for having me here today. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> and uh, until next time, everyone. Bye. Bye. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. Do continue to give us your valuable feedback via ratings, reviews, and hit the subscribe or follow button so you don't miss out on our new episodes. Your support means the world to us. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at chai underscore break underscore podcast to get the scoop on our latest episodes dropping every Wednesday. You can also write to us at chaibreakpodcast at gmail.com.